Welcome to Business Mentorship Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who share their great ideas in our guest blog found at shareyourstories.online. Our guest is Tara McEwen, an award-winning TV producer and media coach who believes that everyone has the potential to be a star storyteller. We're going to discuss the transition from corporate leader to business owner and the challenges she has faced starting a business during the pandemic. And Tara joins us from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome. Hi, Trish. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And you know, I have to say that when I was rereading your guest blog this morning, I thought, wow, this girl's got it going on. I mean, seriously, you have had wonderful exposure as a TV producer. And I know I'll be that is behind the scenes. And today we're kind of push, pushing you to the forefront to be in front of the camera. <laughs> Tell us yeah. a little bit about the tipping point that sort of took you from deciding that you were going to leave, obviously, a very successful career mm -hmm. as a TV producer and segue into entrepreneurship. Yeah, the it, it was it was a, 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 lo a long but kind of unexpected journey I had that really hinges on the pandemic. I think for a lot of people, that was the real tipping point for just how we live our lives. And I'm always careful when I explain this. I love, 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 loved my network career. I love working in news. I love, especially working on the Marilyn Dennis show. I mean, I grew so much as a producer. I grew so much as an individual. But I found in the latter years that my position was just becoming more and more corporate which meant it was getting further and further away from that creative side that drew me to be a storyteller, a professional storyteller for a long time. And I had actually, in January of 2020, had decided that season 10, which was the season we were in, would be my last one. So I was already studying, starting to think through what I would do after the show, you know, it would wrap up in July and then I would find another, another thing to do. Um, but as with all of our plans <laughs> in January, 2020, so suddenly I was, you know, trying and as with everyone who, who, everyone who worked in TV at the time, trying to figure out how to do TV remotely, a new way of doing things. But I was still in this very corporate leadership position. So there's, I'm in this environment where we're reinventing the show. We're reinventing how we're doing the show. And I'm only in the position of a leader. I'm only in a position of keeping people accountable, keeping people working, figuring out all, all the brass tacks and stuff like that, and just getting further and further away from that creative spark. So a year of doing that was, that was just a very challenging mental space to be in, knowing that I wanted something more creative. And then just my job was just getting further and further into this corporate environment. Um, so when the opportunity came to, you know, <laughs> there was a restructuring process, a, a very extensive restructuring process at Bell Media. There was a lot of talent that was let go around the same time. As panicked as I was, so I still had that panic of, oh my God, how do I work in the pandemic? How do I look for new work in the pandemic? But I already had that idea of, well, this is my chance to now figure out what that other thing was going to be, what that post Marilyn Dennis show opportunity was going to look like. So once the panic subsided of how do I look for a job in the pandemic, I realized, oh no, this is an opportunity for me to create something completely new. Right. And really, everyone is in a spirit of doing things completely new in this reinvention. So I paired up with a career coach at the time, and we just really started harvesting what my career had been up to that point and letting go of the stuff that was no longer serving me and just really, really honing in on what was going to serve me. 
And it just kept circling around this idea of being in this space of ideas. I just want to be at the story level, working with people on their story in whatever capacity that was. So when I created Miku and Media Consulting, that was my main focus, was just finding people who were struggling with the story and then I would figure out how to help them tell it. And it's just kind of snowballed <laughs> ever since. Isn't that wonderful? Because, you know, there's lots of folks, as you say, that have done this whole segue. And listen, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm no different. My business model mm -hmm. kind of went, wow, it, it blew up in a very short period of time. And I was sitting there probably doing the same thing as many others going, oh, what's next? Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So how do I make this work? Now, one of the things yeah. that I did, and maybe you can tell me if this was a part of your process when you were working with your coach, did you write down some of the skills? So yes, you love being a creative mm. person, but did you write down some of the skills that you knew that you had as a corporate executive that would segue mm -hmm. well into entrepreneurship? Share with us what some of those might have been. Mm. It wasn't so much. I didn't necessarily have entrepreneurship in mind. I had a really, really vague kind of end point. I knew that I wanted variety. I wanted to do a whole bunch of different things. And at that point, I thought actually it was going to be as a freelance producer, just work, going from oh. show to show to show to show to show. Okay. But we did do the, the skills harvesting was more um, that writing out everything that I all the skills that I had, right. but also getting feedback from my former colleagues and asking them what I did well and what I didn't do well. Because I think a lot of the harvesting that we did was really breaking out who I was in that corporate network space. So what the network valued and what skills they wanted to harness and reward and hone and really just go through that process of, well, that worked for them. Is that something that I value? Is this something that I want to throw my energy behind? So instead of reacting to what, what the job needed, what the business needed, right. it was really bringing it internally of like, what do I value? What skills do I want to highlight? And I think that was where the entrepreneurial mind started to take over because then it was a matter of, of centering in on who I want to be, what I want to throw my energy behind, and then finding those opportunities. Ah. And even as I was looking for those opportunities in other places, realizing, well, they actually don't exist in other places. <laughs> like I, I also interviewed for a bunch of other network jobs again. And I'm like, oh, it's the same. It's the same, same. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same chaos. It's the same yeah. structure. Yeah. What I'm looking for that's going to nurture and value the skills that I want to nurture and value. I actually have to create that myself. Ah. So that's what flipped the switch was just really centering in and, and putting the focus more on me, which I think for a lot of people who are looking for looking at building their careers or looking for jobs, you do start looking at what's available right. and how you can fit. Right. But when you flip that perspective and it's like, well, no, this is what I want, what's available. And if you don't see it, I got to make it myself. Ah, now that's a really good point because I think, you know, lots of corporate executives come to the, you know, the bump in the road when they go, okay, so I've been doing this for a number of years. I've been super successful, you know, life changes. And then we sit down and evaluate and go, hmm, how do I want the rest of my life to, or my career to, to spread out? Yeah. What, what does that look like? And, yeah. And the success is a bit of a mind trick too, because it's successful in someone else's terms. Right. Uh, one of the most more liberating things in terms of working for myself and still working in TV was the opportunity to reset what I determine as success. One of my biggest frustrations working in network TV was that everything is is, is circled around ratings. ratings. You only know if your show is doing well, <laughs> if it rates well. Right. <laughs> and that's the only metric that we have. So right. when I was working for myself and pitching pitching clients out, 
I had that that still that that guttural reaction of, well, I don't know if the segment was any good. I wish I could get my hands on the ratings. And right. as I started thinking through that, I thought, well, wait a second. I am again in a situation where I, I get to reinvent mm -hmm. how I decide if the segment What's was successful. any good or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. So I just threw all metrics aside and it's not so much about how it rates, but it's how the client looks. Are they comfortable? Are they, do they love the material? Is the material also bringing them in a direction where they see themselves in the future? Are we fitting their media goals? Are we driving the right. needle forward that way? Right. And at the same time, is the production happy with what you've done? Have I made their lives easier? Am I nurturing that relationship? So just taking the numbers out of it and bringing it back to the, to the idea and the relationships has been just the most freeing <laughs> realization in this well, new iteration of how I do. And you know, what's really interesting is because, you know, as a speaker, there was no speaking really, unless you wanted to sort of speak for free. And then the sort of hybrid model mm -hmm. came out where some folk, and I think it will probably continue where, you know, you may be sort of piped into the event or the event may have yeah. live speakers as well as speakers that are, you know, in some sort of a media platform. So mm -hmm. we have to reinvent how we present because what we do in person is going to be totally different than how we do things mm -hmm. from this kind of venue, right? Mm -hmm. So in mm -hmm. terms of connecting with the people that you would like mm -hmm. to help support and push the needle forward, who would be your ideal client? Because, I mean, that's mm -hmm. really how you and I connected. I reached out to you and yeah. said, you know, this is what I want to do. Can you help me? Yeah. And we're in the process of figuring that out. But I'm sure there's lots yeah. of other speakers who are out there going, hmm, yeah. yeah, maybe this is a whole new direction I hadn't thought of before. But what do I do? Yeah. I have no idea. So what kind of advice would you give yeah. to those folks? Uh, sorry, are you asking me who my ideal client is or how can I help them? Yeah, both. <laughs> because it's a totally different thing, right? You got to find the person yeah. first. And then once you find them, exactly. you can make the connection. You have to decide whether it's a meeting of the minds and whether or not you can push the needle mm -hmm. for them. So the, the good thing is uh, with where I'm at, in, in the, the, so the business is about two years old. I'm still kind of in that research and exploration phase of what my skills can actually do, right. which is really an extension of that initial harvesting. Like what are the skills that I value, how I can find new ways to apply them and help people. So my ideal client, it's a little bit vague and abstract at some point, maybe I'll niche down and have like a specific person, but the people, the, the people that I can really, really help and move the needle forward is anyone who has that, that burning desire. There's just something inside that they want to share with the world but they don't know how to do it there's right. there's some kind of block so they have a book idea in mind but they don't know who to contact or they're not quite sure what it looks like or what the structure is or they have a speech but who is the speech going to be there's just a lot of times we have these creative urges and, and callings but there are like there's the strategic blockages like who do i contact but then there's also the mental blockages too mm -hmm. so there are the the self-sabotage the imposter syndrome of oh i i'm actually not an expert in the space no one's really going to be interested in what i have to say and you know i'm actually not comfortable being on video i'm just going to write a blog post well all of social media is video centric so you right. still have to present and show up as your real authentic self right. so there are many phases in how I work with people. So there's the strategic side of McEwen Media where we represent people, get them booked on TV. We're building at the speaker agency where we're gonna be working with speakers at some point. There's also a group coaching program where we have where we're teaching people not just how to pitch and, and helping with their strategy, but we're also helping them formulate who they are. 
and figure out their expert brand and what their content is and how that content can play out. So we're supporting them in that space. And then in a broader scale of side of things, I'm now a certified coach. So I can work with people on the mindset. So helping them clear those mental blockages that are just standing in the way of, of their story, of their expression, of how they show up. And that's unnecessarily with the end point of getting booked somewhere. That's just, I need to show up publicly and talk and I'm terrified by this. You know, I don't know what, what the words are. I don't know how to show up as my authentic self. So that's, those are kind of the three different phases or stages of working with right. me. So it's really anyone who has something to say, but there's something holding them back, either the practical strategy side or it's, or something more internal. Right. So, you know, the interesting thing is because some folks say, oh, you know, public speaking is, is really easy for me. I can get up there and I can talk to anyone. And I go, oh, wow. It's not easy like, for anyone. I was just going to say, like, <laughs> holy cow, like even myself, yeah. who's, you know, been doing speaking for most of my professional career, I think, yeah, I still get butterflies when I'm getting yeah. on that stage or whether I click the, you know, record button or whatever the case may be. So really, wow, that's awesome. If you don't even get, you know, that little pause where you think, yeah. wow, you know, now one of the things there's, that there's, I, there's, there's, there's practice and then there's confidence, but right. that's still work. That's still effort. Yes. The people who are really, really good at public speaking, they didn't wake up that way. They weren't born that way. Like Brene Brown was not born on a TEDx stage. Like she put in the work. She also put in decades of research. So right. the, the, the story that she wants to tell, there is a long, deep, rich history of work that goes into before she even steps on a stage. So yes, the people who make it look effortless have put a lot of work right. <laughs> into making it look effortless. And that's a really good point because, and Brene Brown's a really great um, person yeah. to use as kind of a, you know, a, a mentor because who hasn't seen her speak for one thing. And mm -hmm. I absolutely mm -hmm. love her on stage presence because she really is, you get the feeling that she's really giving you her authentic self. There's, there's no glitz yeah. and glamour there. It's all about, this is what I have to say. This is how I might mm -hmm. be able to help you. And this is what I've done in order to, you know, be able to be an expert in this field. So do you mm -hmm. find that folks who are really amazing in the speaking space are folks that not only have a personal story, but they've had a professional sort of credibility factor that supports all of the things that they want to talk about? Not always professional credibility, but just some kind of credibility. They've done the work to really dig down on who they are, what their message is, who their audience is, and how they want to transform that audience. So, but you can have that with having a human interest story. If you've right. survived something or if you, you know, you have, you, you have something where, where you've come out with some amazing learning. So it's not always, you have to have a book or you have to be the leader of a company in order to be a compelling speaker, but you have to go through that, that mental process of, I have experienced this. I've learned something from this experience and other people are going to benefit from me. So I think you need to go through that process. And I think too, for people who are authentically amazing on air, I mean, Marilyn Dennis is another fan, great example. She is the same person off air as she is on air. But I think that's just because she's devoted an, her entire career right. to learning how to be an effective communicator. She's just, mm -hmm. she's drawn, it, it's, it's her why is helping people live a better life. And she sees herself as that as being that vehicle. So she surrounded herself with people who who nurture and celebrate and reinforce that authenticness behind her. So I think that's also important too. So it's going through that work, but then also having a team of people saying, You're fine. The way that you are right now is just 
fine. Your audience will find you. I think there's a lot of not great advice online right now about, you know, curating a beautiful Instagram image or I see all the time people who they've hired teams who will take them into, you know, this beautifully lit loft and they have these very artificially staged pictures that are then populating their social media account. And it's like, well, who are you as a person? Like, sure, you look beautiful, but I don't know who you are and I don't know why you're populating my feed. And I'm not taking anything from you because you've got this, this veil of professionalism right. in, in between us. So right. yeah, there, so there's a, there, to me, there's a lot getting to that being like the Brene Browns and the Marilyn Dennis's of the world where you are just an authentic and dynamic communicator. It takes a lot of stuff in your life and in the background to get to that point. And you know what, that's a really that's great point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's really a wonderful point because I think that we forget that it, you know, that old saying, it takes a village, right? You do need a whole mm -hmm. number of people that are in your corner that have got your back, who are there to give you the, you know, the raw truth sometimes and say, mm, I don't know if you really yeah. did the greatest job there. You might want to consider this, you know, like we all need to have yeah. the people who are going to help us be our authentic self, mm -hmm. especially on camera, because mm -hmm. that's a whole other kettle of fish yeah. than just meeting someone at a cocktail party, yeah. right? Um, you know, you exactly, can be really yeah. engaging with the wallflower, but, you know, stick a camera in there like a deer in the headlights. Like, are you kidding? So yeah. that's a really yeah. good point. There's also, yeah. It's also very unnatural to speak to large numbers of people, especially in this virtual space. Like I'm literally talking to my laptop. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like that's the reality of what yeah, I'm looking at. But sure. I know that I have to visualize the people who are watching this, who are watching this live, who are going to watch this on replay. So it's also having the, the ordered thoughts in your mind that are happening in, in those spaces. You know, I've, I've been to events where they brought in an amazing TED Talk keynote speaker who they paid a lot of money to, to speak. And the delivery is terrible because they're distracted because there's background noise because of the environment that it's in. So it's just, there's a lot of, our brains are very good at sabotaging us. <laughs> so I think to be a dynamic speaker, you also have to understand how your brain works and know when these thoughts are kind of getting in your way. You know, and that leads me to another really good point because any speaker who's been, you know, has been on a stage more than once has had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lots of people have had, you know, obviously you have great experiences that give you the confidence that they keep going. But I mean, I yeah. can speak from personal experience. I had a really bad experience speaking. And mm. I can tell you, I, 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 so far, um, I canceled <laughs> every speaking engagement after that. Like I, oh. I literally can't, it, it was so debilitating for me that yeah. it took a lot of courage to say, no, I'm not going to let yeah. that one person who ruined that experience it, mm. you know, stop me from sharing my message, which obviously you feel very passionate about doing. So mm -hmm. if working with a client, so you've got a client who's had a really bad experience and they're like been totally thrown off their game. Is there one mm -hmm. thing that you can share with our viewing and listening audience that you would give them to do, whether it's a, a coaching exercise or whether, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's digging deep into your why. Is there something that you can mm -hmm. share that you can say to them, try this and, and see yeah. if that get, gets you back up on the horse? Yeah. The, the first thing to do with, with any kind of perceived moment of failure, and I think it's important to note that it's a perceived failure, is to neutralize it. Take the emotion out of it. You know, trolls are going to troll. Haters are going to hate. Taylor Swift speaks the truth. Neutralize that. That's their experience. 
and that's how they that's how they received your message. That's the thing with, with communication. You can you can control the metrics and the timing of all this stuff, but you don't control how it's being received. So just neutralize your reaction to their reaction. And then try and learn from it. So is there something about their experience that you can then take forward? Or is it something you just kind of leave behind? Right. You know, sometimes Sometimes a feedback, negative feedback is something that's going to correct you and enhance the experience for everyone going forward. But sometimes it's just people who they misunderstood. I did, I did a, a TikTok ages ago um, during the World Cup advising people that you might be tempted to pitch into the World Cup. But if you don't know the World Cup, if you're not of the world of soccer, they're going to notice that you're an imposter. So don't even try. So that was a bit of media training advice. But I, of course, use the hashtag World Cup. <laughs> so proving my point, anyone who was following World Cup, the hashtag on TikTok was like, what, th this, what does this have to do with soccer? So I did have some negative comments of like, who are you and what are you talking about? I could have taken that to being like, oh, my God, the trolls are coming at me. But I just neutralized it and realized, oh, he thought he was getting soccer talk. Right. He got media talk instead. That's right. fine. I'm not going to let that bother me. So sorry, you misunderstood. Thank you for the comment. And we'll move on. So really just neutralize, harvest what you can. But the important thing is to move on. Right. You know, you don't control how people are going to react to your message. But that doesn't mean that your message should be kept inside because there is a it's because then that negates the change that you've given to everyone else. Right. You know, it's right. one person at an event that had a bad experience that but if you focus on that, it's now negating the experience for all the events that you canceled after that, all the times that you kept your message to yourself. So, right. That's very that's good advice. That's really very good advice. Now, <laughs> hard to put into practice. <laughs> it is, it is. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do my little um, journaling and writing down all the words once we're finished our conversation today so that, you know, I can, can put that into perspective. One of the things that we do in the, in the guest blog is, and, and I think this is a really wonderful segue into this, is we, we ask mm -hmm. folks to share three words of advice. And your three words are persistence, belief, and joy. So give us a little yeah. bit of an indication as to why those three words are important for Tara and why you wanted to mm -hmm. share them with us. Persistence is the big one because in the whole course of, of reinventing and mining what my career was before, what I wanted to be going forward, the relationship that I changed with, with persistence is the key to all of it. So as a producer, I was told that, you know, producers make the, un, make the, what was it? Oh, they make the impossible possible. So I was rewarded constantly for being very focused. I would be given a task and I would make it happen. And I would just, I was like a dog with a bone, just give me an assignment and I'll make it happen. So that was a lot of stubbornness. There was a lot of, you know, tunnel focused thinking, which worked for me in the network space. But as an entrepreneur, when you're tunnel vision focused and stubborn, you might be focused on the wrong thing. Right. And when you're so focused, you're cutting yourself off from the million possibilities <laughs> that can get you to your, your end goal. End game, sure. So for persistence, I really had to change how I was in my persistence. So still delivering results, still being focused, but allowing for the infinite number of possibilities. Because when you're an entrepreneur and you're, if your one track doesn't work out, you're not going to start from the beginning. You don't need right. to start from scratch. You're recalibrating. It's like a GPS. Sure, you may have, may have missed the turn, but you're not going to start from 
point zero again. Right. And the GPS doesn't clear itself as well. You just you find a new way to get back on track. So the persistence is really just and it's not even toxic positivity where we, you know, pretend that everything's going to work out all the time. But it's just no having that that understanding that things aren't going to work out exactly the way that I expected to. But that doesn't make them wrong. Right. As long as we get the end result and we're happy with the path that we've taken there, then that's a success. So persistence is very careful, a <laughs> very, very interesting uh, line to walk. Uh, in terms of belief, I mean, I am a huge Ted Lasso fan. I love the fact that his character just believes. <laughs> he believes in himself. He believes in the team. It's just the, the power of belief. So as a media coach, that is what I do for my clients. I believe in them. If someone comes to me and they have a story, I don't go through an audition. I also don't even research people that want to book a discovery call with me. Just come to me as you are, who you are, where you want to go, and we'll work together to get you to that point. At no point am I going to say, well, actually, you're not, you're not right for the, for the job. You're not right for this show. Right. Even I might think that, but I'll, I'll, I'll pluck that right away. I hold the belief that the person in front of me deserves an audience and I'll do whatever I can to give them an audience wherever that audience is uh, and enjoy is the most important one for me too because and this is actually from way back when I was first working in tv I started off working in news and you know it was very capital I important information you know we, we as, a, as a as an entity news departments we shape people's understanding of the day but as an industry, it also has this philosophy of if it bleeds, it leads. So for a long time, I just felt like I was peddling human misery. And that was, I think it was 2010 was the year that I left, first left news because it was um, the Haiti earthquake, Tory Stafford kidnapping. We also learned later learned that she had died. Um, the BP oil spill. Like it was just constant news story after news story after news story where just terrible things were happening and there was no solution. There was no end point. There was no call to action. There was nothing we could do to change or solve these circumstances. It was just misery every day. So that was the first point of my career where I chose joy. I just, I need to be in a space. That's where I went into lifestyle. It's not as important as what's going on in the world, but honestly, what I'm going to make for dinner tonight is important. What for I'm sure. going to wear for an interview is important. <laughs> so to me, that content is important, but it's yeah. also it's positive change. It's things that you can do today to make your life a little bit better. So since making that transition, that's been my guiding force for all things creative. I only want to work with people who want to create positive change in the world. And if you're not, if you're going to come to me with blame and, and, and misery, then, you know, you can learn from me from Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> You exactly. don't need to work with me directly. I don't need yeah. that in my space. Well, yeah. listen, I, I really want to thank you for uh, sharing your positive energy and the focus. And, you know, it, it's really amazing. I, I, I'm always amazed when I hear about folks who've gone from corporate leader to business owner because it's mm -hmm. a huge leap of faith. And I think mm -hmm. that uh, the reason why you're appreciating the space that you're in and you're attracting so many clients is because you have this wonderful energy, Tara. So. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and sharing some really great words of advice. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you, Trish. And thank you for having this community. I think the more entrepreneurs hear from each other and learn from each other, the better we can all be. Exactly. Absolutely. To you, our viewing and audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and tuning into this edition of Keeping It Real, where we introduced you to the person behind the logo. If you'd like to connect with our guest, you'll find Tara's contact information and in the description portion below. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series, and we'd like to invite you to share your business story. 
simply by visiting our website, shareyourstories.online. Thanks so much again for joining us, and we look forward to visiting you next time when we share another great idea. All right.